welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is the third Sunday of Easter. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and And on earth earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. May your people exalt forever, O God, in renewed youthfulness of spirit, so that rejoicing now in the restored glory of our adoption, we may look forward in confident hope to the rejoicing of the day of resurrection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up with the eleven and addressed the crowd in a loud voice. Men of Israel, listen to what I am going to say. Jesus the Nazarene was a man commended to you by God, by the miracles and portents and signs that God worked through him when he was among you, as you all know. This man, who was put into your power by the deliberate intention and foreknowledge of God, you took and had crucified by men outside the law. You killed him. But God raised him to life, freeing him from the pangs of Hades, for it was impossible for him to be held in its power, since, as David says of him, I saw the Lord before me always, for with him at my right hand nothing can shake me. So my heart was glad, and my tongue cried out with joy, my body too, will rest in the hope that you will not abandon my soul to Hades, 
nor allow your Holy One to experience corruption. You have made known the way of life to me. You will fill me with gladness through your presence. Brothers, no one can deny that the patriarch David himself is dead and buried. His tomb is still with us. But since he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn him an oath to make one of his descendants succeed him on the throne, what he foresaw and spoke about was the resurrection of Christ. He is the one who was not abandoned to Hades and whose body did not experience corruption. God raised this man Jesus to life and all of us are witnesses to that. Now raised to the heights by God's right hand, he has received from the Father the Holy Spirit, who was promised, and what you see and hear is the outpouring of that Spirit. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, you will show us the path of life. Lord, you will show us the path of life. Preserve me, God. I take refuge in you. I say to the Lord, you are my God. O Lord, it is you who are my portion and cup. It is you yourself who are my prize. Lord, you will show us the path of life. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel who even at night directs my heart. I keep the Lord ever in my sight. Since he is at my right hand, I shall stand firm. Lord, you will show us the path of life. And so my heart rejoices, my soul is glad. Even my body shall rest in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead, nor let your beloved know decay. Lord, you will show us the path of life. You will show me the path of life, the fullness of joy in your presence. At your right hand, happiness forever. Lord, you will show us the path of life. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter. If you are acknowledging as your father one who has no favourites and judges everyone according to what he has done, you must be scrupulously careful as long as you are living away from your home. Remember the ransom that was paid to free you from the useless way of life your ancestors handed down was not paid in anything corruptible, neither in silver nor gold, but in the precious blood of a lamb without spot or stain, namely Christ, who, though known since before the world was made, has been revealed only in our time, the end of the ages, for your sake. Through him you now have faith in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory for that very reason, so that you would have faith and hope in God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Lord Jesus, make your word plain to us. Make our hearts burn with love when you speak. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. 
A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Two of the disciples of Jesus were on their way to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking together about all that had happened. Now, as they talked this over, Jesus himself came up and walked by their side, but something prevented them from recognising him. He said to them, What matters are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped short, their faces downcast. Then one of them, called Cleopas, answered him, You must be the only person staying in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have been happening there these last few days. What things, he asked. All about Jesus of Nazareth, they answered, who proved he was a great prophet by the things he said and did in the sight of God and of the whole people and how our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and had him crucified. Our own hope had been that he would be the one to set Israel free. And this is not all. Two whole days have gone by since it all happened, and some women from our group have astounded us. They went to the tomb in the early morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back to tell us that they had seen a vision of angels who declared he was alive. Some of our friends went to the tomb and found everything exactly as the women had reported. But of him, they saw nothing. Then he said to them, You foolish men, so slow to believe the full message of the prophets. Was it not ordained that the Christ should suffer and so enter into his glory? Then starting with Moses and going through all the prophets, he explained to them the passages throughout the scriptures that were about himself. When they drew near to the village to which they were going, he made as if to go on, but they pressed him to stay with them. It is nearly evening, they said, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, while he was with them at table, he took the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke it and handed it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognised him but he had vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They set out that instant and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven assembled together with their companions who said to them, Yes, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they told their story of what happened on the road and how they had recognised him at the breaking of bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So here we are back again on Easter Sunday. We had the reading of the encounter of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus with the risen Jesus during the octave of Easter, but here we are reading it once more on the third Sunday of Easter. Now, what's interesting is that archaeologically, no one really knows for sure where Emmaus is. There are a number of places that have been put forward as the location of the town to which these two disciples walked. And the best guess is that it's around 11 kilometres northwest of Jerusalem. Now, when he was commenting on this passage from the Gospel according to Luke, Pope Benedict homed in on this issue that the location of Emmaus has never really been known for sure. And he draws the conclusion that in some sense, Emmaus is 
every place. And that the journey of the two disciples is in some sense the pilgrimage of every Christian. The experience of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus describes the pattern of the spiritual life as it develops and matures. So let's have a look and see what that might mean for us. The disciples begin walking the path in disappointment and hopelessness. They tell this stranger who they don't recognize that our own hope had been that he, Jesus, would be the one to set Israel free. Their expectation was for a worldly victory, a Messiah that would put Israel back on top. Surely he would have been the one to drive out the Romans and to show the world that Israel was chosen by God. But the crucifixion had left this hope completely in tatters, and it appears that their hope in Jesus of Nazareth has been misplaced. A prophet, yes, Messiah, Saviour, doesn't look like it. Now, surely from time to time, in the face of our own personal struggles, our own disappointments, we too have gone on such a similar walk of despondency and of, of disappointment. And there are things that happen in our lives that make no sense, and the dashing of our hopes It can put our faith in crisis. They were disciples who had believed. They followed and hoped. But according to their own logic, the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday was to be the great victory of the king. That he'd be the one to take back the throne of Israel and to reign over everyone. But instead of ending in victory, the life of Christ ends in the most spectacular failure An execution that didn't just put an end to Jesus as a political agitator, as a a fake king. But such a brutal and humiliating execution that would serve as a public warning and that would crush any of Jesus' followers. And here are these two. Crushed. Scattering. Running away. Now, we too have expectations about what our lives will look like and and how it should all turn out. And there are circumstances and tragedies which occur, confound our hopes and throw us into desperate confusion, and we're burdened with a sad question. In the light of what's just happened, how can my life possibly turn out well? If the journey of the road to Emmaus is indeed a pattern of the spiritual life, as Pope Benedict says, then what happens next is important not just for these two disciples, but for each one of us when we find ourselves in this trouble and despondency. As the two disciples walk the road, Jesus comes alongside and asks, So what are you talking about? What matters are you discussing as you walk along? And as they enter into a sincere dialogue with Jesus, Christ shines a new light on the devastation of Good Friday and Holy Saturday. You see, the narrow vision of the disciples meant that they'd expected an ever-increasing success for Jesus, an ever-expanding authority. But this wasn't God's plan. 
And as Jesus sidles up to the two disciples and walks with them, he explains to them the law and the prophets. Piece by piece, he rebuilds their faith and hope. As he describes to them the strange ability of God to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And so Jesus is able to integrate the cross within the totality of salvation history. You foolish men, he says to them, so slow to believe the full message of the prophets. Was it not ordained that Christ should suffer and in this way and so enter into his glory? You see, what we had imagined was a world without the cross and that its presence spelled disaster because success couldn't possibly come by means of it. But as the disciples walk along the path, they're confronted with their immaturity, with the naivety of their faith, which couldn't hold together the reality of the cross and the experience of hope. And so it's for this reason that Pope Benedict describes the road to Emmaus as a purification and a maturation of faith. I like that. Ultimately, it's a juvenile faith that expects a life without suffering. And it's a faith that stands in need of purification. Because it cannot see how God snatches victory, even from apparent defeat. Coming to terms with the disappointment of their own expectations involves letting go of their own plans. We thought that Jesus would fit our pattern. We thought that Jesus would meet our expectations. And because our expectations are dashed, therefore there is failure. But the disciples enter into dialogue with Jesus and they listen to the scriptures in the light of Jesus' suffering and death. And now it opens up the new possibility of a Victory they hadn't expected. A resurrection. Their hearts burn within them as the Lord purifies them of their base expectations of worldly power and victory. And their faith matures as they're taught to hope for a greater beatitude, a greater blessing. Their faith matures as they stop demanding that God fit their narrow expectations. And when they start to embrace his will. Their faith is deepened by their understanding of the scriptures and by the presence of the risen Lord. Now this is a faith that's forged in the fire of the passion of Christ. It's a faith that looks beyond the disappointment of apparent earthly defeat toward the resurrection, assured by a God who keeps his promises. It's a similar experience that we too can have during times of our own despondency. As we dialogue with the familiar presence that walks alongside us. Jesus accompanies us throughout this journey. And when we speak with him and listen to him, when we place before him our broken hopes and our shattered dreams. He picks up the pieces for us and broadens our hopeful expectation to look for God's victory. 
It seemed utterly impossible for Christ to be victorious in the face of the defeat of the cross. But the vision of these two disciples, it was too narrow to perceive what God was actually accomplishing by means of such tremendous suffering. The journey to Emmaus matures and it purifies their faith as it incorporates the cross within the plan of God. And so I think this is why Pope Benedict called the road to Emmaus the pattern for the spiritual life. Because in order to become Christians whose faith is not crushed by the cross, we need to walk with Jesus and allow him to explain the scriptures to us and to nourish us at the breaking of bread. The hope that he inspires within us comes from his resurrected body as we see how God transforms the deadly cross into the tree of life. And that God accomplishes the same in our own lives. The crosses we bear, as heavy and as repugnant as they are, in God's hands become the means of salvation. When Jesus steps forward to talk to these two disciples, he says, what matters are you discussing as you walk along? And Luke tells us that they stopped short and their faces downcast. Their faces are a window to their hearts, which are broken. Now, Cleopas is the one who responds to this question. And he says, you must be the only person staying in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have been happening there these last few days. Now, pause for a second and consider the absolute irony of what he's just said. He's talking to Jesus. You must be the only person staying in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have been happening there. Actually, Jesus is the only person who does know what has been happening in Jerusalem these past few days. And Jesus sets about casting the light of truth on the events which he has undergone and which they have not understood. Those downcast faces of the two disciples are transformed into hearts of flame when they're able to see God's plan at work in the midst of these sufferings. And so in the same way, let us turn toward our Lord Jesus and speak to him of the matters that we're discussing in our hearts as we walk along the length of our lives. For the longest time, we might have imagined that he is the only one who doesn't understand what has been happening all this time. And yet, as Cleopas and his companion discover on this road to Emmaus, Jesus is the only one who is able to shine a new light on these events to show what God has been accomplishing within them this whole time. And if we come to see our own lives in this new light, that our hearts too might move from sorrow and confusion to a purified hope and a mature faith. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the, the Father, Father Almighty, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test. And deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father. <laughs>